From the Captain's Quarters podcast is brought to you by Captain Coop's Beard Company for all of your beard needs, whether it's beard oils, beard balms, or if you are a sophisticated beardo, our beard butters, plus a pretty badass line of apparel, check out CaptainCoops.com. Remember to use the promo code PODCAST10 and get 10% off your order at CaptainCoops.com. The show is also brought to you by Everything Hemp LLC. They have those D8 products in stock and ready to ship Delta 8 next level stuff. Plus a full line of CBD tinctures, whether you need concentrates, topicals, even products for your pets. EverythingHempLLC.com or give them a jingle and tell them Cooper sent you to call 715-532-4367. 715-532-4367 for Everything Hemp LLC. Drew Plotkin is back. The uh, chief dude officer of Derm Dude returns. If uh, by the way, I'm going to stop everybody right now. If you haven't listened to uh, to our first episode, uh, which I believe is episode 84 of uh, the From This Captain's Quarters podcast, go and listen to that because then this will make a whole lot of sense. We got the background stuff. The, the journey from Jersey uh, to LA was covered uh, in depth on on the previous episode. But but Drew, how are we doing today, my friend? I was going to say, or, or just rent my cousin Vinny. I think that movie for people who remember was somewhat similar. You know, imagine you you're know. a deer. Yeah, a deer. What's a ute? <laughs> the, two, the two utes. The utes. I'm I'm doing good, brother. I, I was actually looking forward to this, man. You know, we did the one last week. I didn't know what to expect, and you know, the, the people here were like, "Hey, this crazy cat with tattoos and." A beard wants to talk to you. And, you know, I I try to avoid those tattooed beard people. They can (laughs) be be scary. And I had some fun, man. And I forgot, you know, as we went through the whole thing and strolled down memory lane, uh, we never even got into Derm Dude. So when you invited me back, I'm like, well, that's cool because, shit, that's my my big thing right now. Which is awesome. And and, and obviously the the bearded tattoo guy thing, uh, we're like, separated at like somehow you cross the uh the continental divide and and we split uh this this brotherhood but um you know the beard stuff i want to talk about getting into that because let's actually let's back up let's start with with tattoos because that's this has obviously been a journey for you um and it seems like and you and i have we've 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 been around we've traveled We've, uh, you probably more extensively than I have, but like, as far as long in the tooth goes, like we've experienced life and probably gone from a a time and place where like tattoos were reserved for like rock star musicians, uh, Harley riders, usually involved in some sort of, uh, you know, leather gang with their, with their colors on the back, uh, to now being, I want to say like completely socially acceptable, but it's definitely the, the time and place, the time and, and viewpoint of tattoos is definitely altered over the past, you know, three decades or so. It's almost like high school in the sense with tattoos where like, you know, in high school, there are six or seven different types of people. They used to call them cliques, whether it's like the athletes or the band people or the, you know, the, you know, the troublemakers and, you know, my friends. Um, <laughs> it's, it's like with tattoos, you almost have five, six different categories like that. You know, you have like, um, you know, your, 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 I don't know, your, your Malibu 90210 Park Avenue crowd who gets like one or two small little teeny micro, and I'm not knocking any of them, whatever is right. good for you, but it's like they're tattooed and you have to look and be like, oh yeah, <laughs> you, you are. Uh, then you've got like, you know, your traditional people who end up kind of, 
you know, uh, never stop at one. Like people like me and you that were never going to eat one Dorito, you know, probably never going to have one beer. And after the first tattoo, you're like, oh, fuck, this is, I see where this is going. Um, and then everything in between. I mean, you have a lot of professional athletes, that, you know, and, and, you know, every walks of life, so many moms, I mean, and, and the amount of women doing tattoos, which is great. I mean, I think that's amazing how big the category is. Uh, so, yeah, it's, it's it's insane. And I think, you know, it, it's it's funny, but I, I think a lot of it is attributed to one is, you know, social norms, walls coming down. Obviously, you could say social media about anything, but we're seeing so much more of it all over the place. But the other thing is the art itself and the artists have just gone through the roof. Yeah. Um like, like anything else. I mean, you know, the ability to create um, usually gets better and better with time. You have more tools at your disposal. You learn from other people. So, you know, artists are able to look at other artists on Instagram and all over the world and things. And some of the tools that they're using, some of the inks, some of the tattoo products themselves to deliver the ink, you know, techniques that people have come up with. You know, like people always comment on this tattoo that says tribe, looks upside down right now, but uh, and it's a brush stroke uh, style that was done by this amazing artist, Georgia Gray in New York, uh, eight, nine years ago. And, you know, a lot of artists would not be able to replicate that. I mean, that's a certain technique and style that she did. And, you know, so um, I, I love that. I think that's a big part of also why tattoos have exploded the way that they have. I think it's a good thing, you know, for the most part. It's, you know, it's, it's art. And, and the artists that you, you mentioned, I think it's, it's a super unique field and it's it, in comparison to all like in all styles of art music may be a little bit different because I think there is depending on which genre there there does tend to be this go with what's hip like go like oh, I want to sound like that because that leads to success where if I find like in, in artists who use whether they paint or whether they draw or whether they do tattoo art they will hone in and, and adapt some skills. And I think with the technology you mentioned, go on YouTube and learn different strokes and stuff. But there does seem to be this, this ever-growing desire to find their own style to, you know, it could have, you know, some, some dabbles from this artist and dabbles from this artist, but each individual tattoo artist seems to have definitely their own distinct style and definitely their own distinct style that they, they excel at. Like there's people who do really good, you know, you know, portraits can excel at that. And there's some that do really good freehand stuff and some that do really eclectic design. So we, finding that right person, I think, for what, you know, the vibe you're going for. But the artistry across the board is, has excelled from the, remember them, the barbed wire tattoo was like, I don't know, it, like, I'm not sure Pam Anderson, like, like sent people into this weird cult following, like, I got barbed wire around my forearm. You're like, well. Okay. Well, well, look, don't you cross know, I mean, that so line. So much has changed, and, and the access has changed. I mean, yeah. to where, you know, tat first of all, tattoo shops, even calling them shops, they used to be tattoo parlors. It used to be yeah. a parlor, and it was like, you know, uh, you know, don't go in there. That's the bad side of town. But um, <laughs> you, you had a lot of restrictions even to where uh, tattoo shops could be. I mean, where I lived in Hermosa Beach, California, a good friend of mine, tattoo artist named Johnny Two-Thirds, Guy's done over 25,000 tattoos, very talented, been doing it for a long time. Uh, he actually had to sue uh, the city of Los Angeles for the right to open a tattoo shop in Hermosa Beach. He'd been turned down repeatedly to get a permit. Now, Johnny was also a pastor. He had has five kids, homeschooling guy. I mean, on paper, he's like, you know, as, I was going to say the Duggars without a kid who molests people, but that was probably the wrong example. <laughs> Bad uh, but meaning a good, you know, by any definition, a 
a very good guy. You know, some people might see someone covered in tattoos head to toe. Other people would look at pastor, great dad, big family. And he had to sue, and it went on for years and years. And while he was suing Hermosa Beach for the right to open the tattoo shop, and they kept turning it down, because I lived there, guess what was right around the corner from me in Hermosa Beach was a porn shop where you could go in and buy, you know, your your lambs or your whatever the blow-up toys are, and, you know, any of the books and costumes and capes and suckers and sizzlers and zaggers. That was allowed to be there. They, they had a permit. They were fine. But you couldn't have a tattoo shop because that would attract the wrong folk and uh you know he ended up going to the court of appeals uh in california and won and uh it ended up becoming case law for the country where basically you, you could tattoos were protected under first amendment freedom of speech and that had a lot to do with my good friend uh, and tattoo artist johnny two-thirds so if you look him up at you're cheating hard he's a great guy if you don't go for a tattoo just go in and say thank you for helping open the door to uh our first amendment rights I've heard stories about that. My mom lived out east uh, for a while in the Carolinas, and there were, were counties, you know, like counties where tattoo shops were not allowed. So it, it, it's like having a dry county, like the dry counties in Kentucky and stuff, where you, people would go into the, just, we'll just cross the county line and we'll go to where you can buy booze. But there was counties in North Carolina when I went out there and visited her that they're like, well, there's no tattoo. You can't tattoo here in this particular county. But the one across the county line, and they would set up, like, literally, here's the sign, you know, Marshall yeah. County. And the tattoo shop is like right next to it, and they would just sit there and make bank. But uh, but it sounds like your dude has uh, opened up the gates for for some more of that action to go on across the country. So very cool stuff. Yeah, so a lot of things like that. So you have access, and and then yeah, you certainly have so many different styles, which I'm fascinated by. I mean, people say to me, "Oh, you know, what do you think of that?" Or there's so many styles and, and artists that I am so impressed with, and and sometimes they're not styles of tattoos that that like I would get for me for a variety of reasons. Sometimes they might not fit with my existing tattoos or some of the limited real estate that I have left, or it doesn't mean that I don't think it's tremendous art. You know, I'm a huge fan of like uh, a lot of the Japanese work. Yeah. Um, I just don't have the space or uh, left on my body to really invest real estate in a great piece of Japanese traditional. You see people who do that, you usually end up doing a full sleeve or they might do their entire back or you have some of the guys in Japan um, who do like the entire suit. So again, it doesn't mean I don't appreciate it and think it's incredible. It's just also what's your own flavor, what what fits with you. And, you know, I'm one big freaking hodgepodge. That's my style. <laughs> if there's a style hodgepodge. Because you don't have like, you know, like one artist. Like you've, you've, you've seen multiple artists. I'm, I'm guessing not just across the country, but across the world. Yeah, that's become a big part of it for me. And it actually played a role in, in uh, developing Derm Dude, quite frankly. Mm. Um, you know, my, my very first tattoo um, was about 20-something years ago. Uh, actually, it was longer. I was outed recently. When I was like 19 or 20 in college, I got a really stupid, embarrassing tattoo <laughs> on my leg. To the point where I actually, not even accidentally, but just, uh, uh, or not even intentionally, just never referenced it because I actually forgot it was there. I wouldn't yeah. even. So when people say, when did you get your first tattoo? I was like, oh, about 20 something years ago on the Sunset Strip in Hollywood, I got a, a little kanji symbol on my arm right there. And, and I truly believed it. Like sometimes you, I guess you believe your own bullshit or when you read history. I'm like, oh, I forgot about that drunken night in college when you were 20 and, and woke up and I'm like, what the hell is that doing there? Um, so, you know, I, I would say that um, as I, you know, did my first tattoos, my first three or four were with different artists. Mm-hmm. Um, just because I also didn't have enough taste or style or direction to, you know, there wasn't a ton of 
difference. I mean, if you went to a good, decent artist, mm -hmm. uh, sterile environment, I was still in that phase of not walking in and picking something off the wall, but kind of using like some of the wall designs of like, all right, like you mentioned to Pamela Anderson, you know, barbed <laughs> wire. Mine wasn't the barbed wire, but I had like a tribal piece that, you know, and I and it worked great. I mean, it's it's my history and I don't cover anything up and, you know, I've, I've built other pieces around it. But, you know, you can see the evolution on your body over 25 years. And I like that. It's kind of my own roadmap and journey. Uh, when I ended up uh, connecting with Johnny, two thirds in Hermosa, he was the first artist that I started to do multiple pieces with. And once I had that comfort level of like, man, this guy's great. He's got it dialed in. I don't have to be like, oh, shit, what's this going to look like afterwards? And, yeah. and I had such comfort with him. I did like five, six pieces like, yeah, hey, man, you're free next week. Hey, man, you're free. You know? And then I, that's when I also realized, man, I love this guy's work. But for me, I, I see so many other styles. And I was talking to him about it. And he's like, oh, man. He's like, I've been tattooed by a thousand different people. He's like, you know, you got, and it was, it was so cool hearing that from another, from a tattoo artist. Uh, and that's when I started to like look around. Um, a friend gave me a book of different uh, tattoo artists, tattoo shops, uh, and then uh, had introduced me to the concept of uh, someone who uh, I'm very close with, introduced me to a shop in New York City uh, called Bang Bang which is still a, a really well-known shop around the world that hands down some of the best artists in the world go there. Um, so about 10, 12 years ago, I went there for my first Bang Bang tattoo. And that really was like, all right, man, now this, this changed the game for me. It was uh, a piece on my hand that was like a clock and glass and birds breaking and so micro the clock on my hand that, you know, without like a magnifying glass, I couldn't, but the lines held and it just created this, this really unbelievable piece of art, what I would say was the first time. Like I had tattoos before that had meaning, but this was fucking art. Yeah. And uh, then I was like, all right, one, I'm gonna need a lot more time to travel or reason to go around different shops and places and get tattoos. And two, I'm gonna need a lot more money. It's fucking <laughs> get expensive yeah, as you start quick. getting up there. And, and how does that, I mean, that, that's, that's one of those things too, that people, Maybe maybe they maybe nowadays they make that 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 connection like what you're doing is not I mean obviously it's an expression of who you are it's an expression of you know some symbolism from, of artwork of being able to kind of be a, a walking you know piece of art with all these different artists that work on you but the investment that you make you know there's there's like motivational speeches that are like the most important investment you can make is an investment in yourself and tattoos maybe monetarily one of the largest that are out there because and. Without without question, artists who have that caliber of talent deserve to be paid what they get paid to do artwork. That's it's it's forever. This is permanent unless you you know go get zapped by uh, by somebody. Right. Yeah. No. I'm a, I'm I'm a big proponent of that. You know, when people look, I, I don't think that you should be ripped off or taken advantage of, and there's no doubt that happens. Um, not by any artists I know. I, I'm fortunate and I know a lot of people, so I ask around and if it's a new artist, I do research first and, you know, it's not too difficult to find out who's naughty and who's nice and, you know, if you see someone on Instagram that has something that just looks unbelievably surreal and then they don't have any legitimate artists following them. People say, how do you like know if someone's legitimate? Well, if you don't know someone that you can call, which a lot of people don't, and that's cool, yeah. If you go on Instagram, you'll see that, you know, there's a, a, a types of artists and, and 
they only follow really great legitimate artists. So it, you'll start to see the same artists following really other exceptional artists. It's not a competition. It's like a, uh, you know, a, a wonderful thing. It's like, you know, sharing art. Uh, if you see someone who's got something that looks too good to be true and tons of followers, but no uh, very reputable artists that you've heard of following them, that's usually a sign that there's a reason that reputable artists aren't following this cat. <laughs> you know, it's called <laughs> Photoshop, uh, you know, or someone that does a tattoo. And, you know, one of the things that you should know if you're thinking of getting a tattoo is that it's, it's how it looks the day of, but really how it looks when it heals. Yeah. And that's, that's a huge thing, especially with people getting into micro tattoos and, you know, these smaller tattoos the listeners won't see them, but you can see them yeah. uh, on my fingertips. And, you know, I'm 50 years old and for my fingers and my collagen, uh, you know, my neck to hold some of these micro tattoos, um, those are artists that are really outstanding that I've trusted. And uh, there are also artists that have said we shouldn't do certain things in certain areas, certain designs, because they didn't think they would hold up. Yeah. Uh, and that's that's a good thing, man. When I have an artist say, I don't think we should do this because or I don't want to do this because I love that. And I, I think anyone would be crazy to push back. You know, here's another hundred bucks, please. Like the guy's saying you're going to get a shit sandwich on your arm or your hand or your chest. This is not the right way to do this. But you want to, you know, bribe them to do it anyway. I mean, so. Yeah. And that's that's the having a reputable artist too. I think that, that coincides with that because you will have people that come in and say, I want this and I want it right here. And I want it done exactly this way. Some artists will go, okay, well, this is exactly what you're paying me for is to put this here without those recommendations of here are some things to consider. This is going to happen yeah. in, in a year, in five years. If you know, you gain weight, lose weight, you know, all the things that, that happen over the course of someone's lifetime with, with tattoos, it's always nice to have somebody who offers those two cents of advice. Now for you, how does, how does your, your adoration for tattoos and obviously you're embracing them and, and all the different types of artistry, how does that river flow into the creation of Derm Dude, which I know expands just beyond tattoos, but you mentioned that that was an integral part of, of why you developed your own product line. Yeah, it is for sure. I'm grabbing my coffee right here. Yeah, so I'm not leaving you. I, I I'm understand. Still with you. <laughs> I've not left you. It looks like we had a walkout. <laughs> and that was a great, Apparently, I said something that was offensive to the Derm dude. That would be pretty hard to do. <laughs> hey, he's um, triumphantly, he has returned. But since I was getting up and I saw on the table they'd positioned my tattoo therapy hat, I might switch gears. Look at that. So now I'm, now I'm in tattoo therapy mode. So it's kind of, this one's a little, my head's gotten too fat. <laughs> but no, it's uh, um, brain, yes. you've added brain cells since the last time we spoke. The hat didn't get smaller. Well, and one of the reasons we came up with the tattoo therapy hat and why we say that with Derm Dude a lot is because, you know, look, for a lot of us, tattoos are a lot of things. I mean, they're art, they're, you know, celebration, and then they're therapeutic. I mean, some of them, some of mine are the best therapy I could have, and they never charge me for being late, and they never, you know, uh, tell me that I'm, you know, wrong. <laughs> you know? Uh, so true. they were, you know, better than a human being in a lot of cases that you tell your problems to. You just look down at your arm, and you're like, I got it, man. All right, I'm feeling better. Um, no, you're saying how did the Derm Dude journey begin? So we talked about last week my, my job or my making a living was – uh, building and being fortunate to run an LA ad agency with a lot of great people that I was lucky enough to convince to work with me and, and stay with me for a long time because you always want to surround yourself with enough smart people so you're the dumbest guy in the room and I was able to do that and I think that's why I did okay all these years a lot of smart people around me mm -hmm. uh, including a lot of smart women too 
some really great guys, smart guys, and a lot of smart women as well. So um, I was um, traveling on uh, out of the country to get a tattoo, uh, and I went to Bali. Uh, and it was kind of a hybrid. There was an artist who was going to be there doing a workshop uh, who kind of traveled around the world, and a lot of artists do this these days, kind of stopped with COVID, but picking it back up, where they might go to a really cool exotic place where you can come for three days, four days a week, and it's like a retreat where, A, you get a tattoo, but while you're there, you're doing some yoga, uh, a variety of different things, and, and you're turning it like into a trip and an experience, and uh, there's a lot of components to it, and each retreat is different. Each artist does their own thing, mm. and uh, I saw this artist I'd been wanting to work with for the longest time, and he was going to be in Bali. I was like, man, I'd been going through some uh, personal stuff, and uh, I had a tattoo piece that I hadn't totally flushed out, but the concept, I knew what I wanted it to represent. And I I'd met this artist before, but we'd never quite been able to get our schedules aligned. So reached out. He's like, yeah, come on down to Bali and we'll do this. And, and as soon as I got like the schedule and the itinerary, uh, I was like, OK, day one, tattoo philosophy and integration. You know, so you get there and, uh, you know, like we're like walking around like, you know, kind of rainforest area. And it's not just the tattoo artist. He's got like a healer, a shaman there. Jeez. He's got like a, a personal or a, a body movement coach that I'm like, man, none of this stuff. And it was all really cool. It was like this really very cool experience, like a cool Polynesian house. Just these three dudes that were all. It, it was no longer even just about a tattoo, which is significant enough. It was like a, a journey to this tattoo, which for me was really cool at that time because, again, it was, it was a healing purpose and meaning behind it and, and a lot of different things that were going on in my life. So we that tattoo integration day was the greatest because instead of going to a shop or sending some emails and someone sketched, I mean, we just walked and talked and we hung out in the pool and we walked and we got on mo motor bikes and rode around, you know, Bali and, mm -hmm. you know, we'd be out like in the rice fields, just talking about life and my life and what brought me here. And, you know, later that night, you know, a bunch of tequilas into it. He just shows me what he's been sketching and he shows me this piece. I'm like, holy, I mean, it was, it was like chilling, like how he put that together based on, what I said um, blew me away, but he, he, he did come up with it entirely like that just by listening to me. And, uh, you know, it was a big piece across my chest. And then he spent about a day, day and a half tattooing it. And uh, it was it was an incredible piece, uh, meant the world to me. And, and still, you know, I love all my tattoos, but this one in particular really stands out for me for a lot of different reasons. What was interesting is the next uh, day, um, I that after the tattoo, I only had about a day and a half left in Bali. So I was going to check out another part of of the island. And I went to a, a town called Ubud. I went by myself, uh, U-B-U-D, Ubud. And I didn't realize at the time, but Ubud means um, healing or medicine is what it translates to. And it's, it's kind of known to have these powers. It has a lot of uh, products that we import around the world, including to the U.S., that are really good for skin, for uh, different ailments of your skin, calming, soothing, hydrating, uh, infl inflammation, bringing down a lot of different things uh, that are found in products and ingredients in Bali that also were in Abud. So this is the journey that really set me off on. I, I've got to do our own line at this point. Um, I was wanted to see the most of Abud that I could. And I saw like one of these 
books or websites that really exist when you have 36 hours you know you type in 36 hours <laughs> and the name of the town it's like it, i'm very thankful for the people who do this and like they figured it out man like i did more in those 36 fucking hours in a booth than i may have done in 25 years in california um there's there's no doubt and one of the things was hiking this volcano and the reason it was perfect was because you're supposed to hike it right when you get to the top right when the sun comes up so you leave like your your hotel at like three in the morning they pick you up when it's pitch black and freezing and you and your guide start climbing at like 4 a.m when it's pitch black and you get to the peak of this volcano um right when the sun is like breaking up over the clouds oh sorry that's, that's supposed to be those so that's like coming up and it's really cool and then um it's coming up over the clouds we make it to the top and one thing i realized is i'm wearing like a white t-shirt i had just had this tattoo done maybe like 13 14 hours earlier so it's raw yeah. you know it's like as as you know and uh and then normally like in a, in a proper setting if i get a tattoo at a tattoo shop i go back home or i go to the hotel i take a, a fast warm shower clean it up everyone has their own process but this was like traveling, you know, third world. So I hadn't been paying as much attention to the aftercare as I usually would or should have been. And I look at my t-shirt and my white t-shirt's black and I'm dripping sweat because you're starting out wearing heavy clothes. It's freezing, but you get super hot at the top. I'm like, geez, I thought I wore a white t-shirt. Isn't that crazy? And I take out my phone and I scroll back. I was wearing a white t-shirt when we started the hike a few hours earlier. I had all the volcanic ash had totally turned my white t-shirt completely black with volcanic ash. And on top of it, the tattoo was all right here. And at the time I was wearing, it was only a couple of years ago, but I was in my 1980s uh, V-neck phase that people oh, made man. so much fun of me around work and life <laughs> after I finally got out of my V-neck phase because I couldn't take the harassment. But so like this part of my chest was totally exposed and I was just black with ash. I'm like, this can't be good, yeah. you know, can't be good. Still had to go down uh, the volcano afterwards. And literally as I got back in the car and I'm riding back towards the hotel and, you know, at this point I knew we had like about an hour at the hotel where I could get back, shower quickly, get my stuff. And the airport was like a good two hour drive to make the flight back to the U S but I, I was, I was like, it was burning. It was itching. I'd had enough tattoos to know this ain't good. This is man getting on a flight like this. And my driver pulled into, um, the, lo the local town of Abood. And I, I started to like sample and, and, you know, buy like small, like, you know, potions of things. And a lot of them were, were ingredients that you would find here in the U.S. Some were not, some were more uh, unique and locally mixed and stuff. But basically I, I grabbed whatever I could, uh, well, the money I had, went back to the hotel, did my shower. And then uh, as I got to the uh, airport, I just started experimenting and putting these, and I didn't know for sure. I mean, I had a sense from speaking to each person. There were little lists of what ingredients, but I kind of did my home remedy on the flight home. And I really expected to get home when that plane landed uh, back in LA and, and take off my shirt and like have either half this tattoo gone or like be bleeding. Yeah. And it looked like, it looked like brand new. It was like fucking perfect. Um, and this like concoction of all, and, Again, part of it is that, you know, the Balinese culture is, is very healing in itself. Um, 
the products that they use, the ingredients, they're about comfort, they're about treating, they're about healing, um, they're about pleasure. So um, it's not like I was rubbing rocks on myself, um, hoping that it would take the inflammation down. Right. But what it really did was it, it, it kickstarted me into, um, you know, I'm a guy with a bunch of tattoos and, you know, I don't necessarily have the best plan for taking care of them. I'm using like a tube of petroleum jelly, yep. a Vaseline-ish type thing. Like most people thought that that's all you could use, which in my opinion creates more damage than good in a lot of cases. There were a couple of different products out there that were being marketed by, you know, these big marketing companies with uh, all their suits and ties on and, you know, never had a tattoo in their life unless it was like Mickey Mouse on their ass from a drunk weekend in Vegas. And, <laughs> you know, then I was seeing like all these, you know, Shark Tank brands and all these Shark Tank investors, you know, behind all of these uh, tattoo brands. I'm like, these people don't have tattoos. Right, <laughs> so like, right. And I did a bunch of the commercials with the Shark Tank people for years in my <laughs> LA agency. So good people. I mean, I've worked with most of them and liked them, but, you know, these are not tattoo people. I'm like, so uh, what does it matter to me? that you know, shark tank was like it's like you know so i had been at that point where you know 15 plus years in the la ad agency business and seeing you know the good parts and the bad parts the good the bad the ugly and there is a lot of fluff and bullshit um that happens with brands and products and i didn't want to be a part of that uh certainly not you know at this stage of my life so um you know came back and um spoke to some of the people i work with and and some people who i, I really wanted to run it by him and say, you know, we've been talking about doing something for a while. What if we created, you know, a line of just tattoo aftercare for guys, you know, and, but make it really good. And, 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 you know, let's like really research it, find the right ingredients for a lot of reasons, nothing for marketing purposes. Let's start with what's the best and then worry about how to sell it later. And then that quickly became, okay, but if we're going to do a tattoo aftercare bomb, then people need a tattoo sunscreen, right? I'm like, well, yeah, I wear sunscreen. So, then we got into the sunscreen phase and then the beard trend started to really take off, not just like with some dudes having beards, but um, like it became really huge even before the pandemic. And I'd never been able to really grow a really good beard. This is the truth. We have tons of pictures. I had an okay beard, but after like six, seven days, I would have to shave it because it would just get patchy and scratchy. Um, so we started just researching it and, and talking to the different labs and, and, you know, different groups that we'd worked with for years on, on, other people's brands, you know, we'd, we'd sold hundreds of millions of dollars of <laughs> skincare and personal care and beauty products for, for women, for everything under the sun. So we understood it. We knew where to go. We know who to talk to, who not to. But now we were doing it, you know, kind of with myself as the guinea pig. So we uh, we started developing a beard line. And first, you know, we knew we needed a beard oil, then a beard balm. And then we're like, well, we should have a wash or shampoo and conditioner. And then started speaking to master barbers. And, you know, my, my main guy had been doing my own hair and beard. And he's like, well, the biggest problem people make, guys, is they use their normal shampoo to wash their beard. And that normal shampoo strips your face and your beard of the oils you need. And I was like, man, I've been doing that for... So there was <laughs> such this gap, you know, of like, here I am, you know, this almost 50-year-old dude who'd been like in the personal care business for many years, like working on brands hands-on that, that people are spending a ton of money on. And, you know, my goal was, you know, sell product, make money, come up with the marketing things. There were people who were on the ingredient side much more at the time. But once I started to dive into that and say, man, but nobody's doing this for guys. 
Um, there's a few, there's some fluff, there's some funny ads, ha ha, I laugh, you know, and, you know, I, I like being funny. I'm pretty irreverent. Uh, you can just tell by looking at me, let alone if you hear some of the shit I say. Um, but I, I didn't want to just be funny. Um, you know, I wanted to have fun, but we wanted to make something, a brand that, that really every single product was something that I would use, that my friends would use. And that's, that's really how we started doing it. We started testing everything on me. The guys were on the office. I have friends in Texas, New Jersey, across the country from all different ranges. I have friends that are U.S. Marshals. I have friends that are Wall Street business guys and everything in between. And I was sending them the same products, but they would come in like white tubes without any labels. They weren't, you know, how do you think of this one? All right, here's the next generation. What do you think of this smell? And we really ended up dialing in, you know, what guys or dudes, like real dudes, you know, wanted and loved. And uh, that that really became Derm Dude really quickly. And then when it started to pick up and really run, um, then it became, all right, let's let's really try to build this out as quickly uh, and efficiently as possible and, and meet the need and and go full full into it. And that's, that's really where we are right now. I mean, we started dipping our toes in the water and now... You know, I mean, we have nine different scents in our body wash of our three-in-one body wash we just released. And initially, we came out with three scents. Um, I like this one a lot. It's our cedar citrus. What's funny is, um, being funny and a little irreverent, uh, one of the ones that naturally was just, it's always our biggest seller. We have a scent called Morning Woodsy. Uh, <laughs> of course and you do. Now, the funny part is, it, it, in our beard balm, in our beard oil, anything that's scented, morning woodsy is the first it, it just we i posted a thing on instagram yesterday like we got you know i think like 250 cases just back in and we had it delivered right here to the office and there's a picture of me sitting on my ins on top of it like <laughs> guarding it because it's like we can't get it in fast enough but the smell is incredible it really is but the name in that combined so everybody loves that but then we get you know we have like alpine fresh and we have some fun ones we have um cherry whiskey um we have um this one's one of my favorites because I love the name, you know, uh, Havana Cigar Club, um, because nice. people do like that tobacco smell, not like a dirty ashtray, but some people like that humidor mm. classic smell that might remind them of grandpa or their dad smoking, you know, after dinner or something. So uh, the scents are, are super popular, but the three in one body wash wasn't accidental either. We thought of, all right, what's most guys want to do? They want to have one thing that they can shampoo their hair, condition their hair wash their body and and their balls and their ass their sack and crack everything one bottle uh all in one you know so if you buy two of them you could put one in the gym shower and or your gym bag but you know we don't want three and four products to accomplish the same thing we're going to lose them uh, we're going to overpay for them our buddy's going to snag them because he's a you know cheap bastard so he'll <laughs> snag them. Um, and that's that's where we went i mean obviously the core that we're based on is our tattoo and aftercare bomb uh, we've got our tattoo sunscreen. We have three different types of our tattoo sunscreen. We have a 30 and two different SPFs. I lost it in the mix here somewhere, but it's there. We've got our all-natural deodorant now. Mm -hmm. uh, and again, it took us a while. I mean, everybody was coming out with aluminum-free deodorants. Um, and I remember, you know, we, where's ours? we got to get going. And we kept going through rounds and rounds and rounds. And the one thing that's hard is, this is the truth. You know, when you use an aluminum-free deodorant, it's hard to find one and even harder to make one that really works for a guy. Yeah. You know, I mean, sweat. I'm 240 pounds, six foot four. I sweat. And every sample I would try come and, and you know, every lab we would speak to every camp. Oh, but you know, when you take the aluminum out, that's what's really making the big difference. So, but yeah, but that's going to kill you. Oh, and that's why we're taking it out. 
Uh, and then someone said to me, you know, go to the stores, go to Target and buy a bunch of aluminum-free deodorants. It's great. You'll feel better about yourself, but see how they work. And they didn't work. They were So we just we, we spent more time and more money and, and probably spent an extra six months until we really got it dialed in uh, and, and finally now have four cents in our uh, aluminum-free deodorant that, that passed our internal test of, all right, you know, the labs pass it and the manufacturers are good with it and people may like it, but are, are we good with it? And, you know, and there's times where even after we spend the money and complete something, uh, we'll walk away if it's not right. If we can't, if we can fix it and it makes sense, great. But if it's a, if it's a walk away, if it's, you know, we'll walk away. Um, yeah. I, I love the, the origin story is always, I love hearing how, how things began, you know, cause most of the time when you when you talk to when I talk to people that come on this show that are living life on their own terms, you know, kind of the, the underlying point of this whole show is there's always like a self-serving need. Like I needed something. And by happenstance, the Bali story is amazing and, and the healing powers of of that area as well. But because of the situation you were in, you were like, oh, I need to figure something out. Holy shit, it worked. And then it becomes something that you're invested in, but it almost feels like it opened up this perspective. Like both you and I grew up probably using, you know, like mom's shit, like, Oh, we have a, and then head and shoulders came out with like the, the two in one, like, Oh, the shampoo and conditioners in one. We're like, Oh, well this is clever. Well now there's first there was bar stuff. Then there was body wash. And then there's like all of this shit. Like it, it's never been correctly marketed. I think to, okay, maybe the general populace of, of males, you know, I don't want to name names, but there's there's brands that have really tried to become like this. We're the dude, you know, we're the guy brand. You know, there's you know, <laughs> here's a a man who's also a horse, and yeah. and he is going to and you're going to smell like this, and it's so broad. And I think it sells this point of like, well, I guess if I wear this, then I'm like, I'm more of a dude. But it's not really. Yeah. They didn't sit in a in a booth somewhere and say, how can we really make a product that a actually works is functional. Yeah. And, and fits the clientele that we're going after. But it seems like with you, like you have an understanding with your work in the ad agency, with working with brands that are trying to do maybe some of the things that I just mentioned, to be like, no, like, let's get it right. And because yeah. you're invested in it, because you're looking for those products yourself and for the people around you, you know, you put the time and effort and you make the hard decisions to be like, yeah, we invested in this and the shit just doesn't work. And it's it's not going to yeah. you know super serve us in the end because it takes that it takes one product in a great line of products to be like well that was the fucking that was the thing that that blew it all up but to have that passion level it has to feel good to be involved with with this project knowing that you're doing things the way that things should be done. Well, that's it. You know, there's part of you that knows a little too much, and, and you wish that magically you could beam what's in your head into everyone else's head. So they know it all because you can't get it all across in a short little Facebook ad or on a on a website post. Um, that's why I like doing shows like this and and, and having you know uh, talking and informing people. I don't want to say educating because it's boring and shit. Nobody wants to be educator. We you know we wouldn't have been ditching out of school if that was the case. But people do want to be informed and they want to be spoken to, not spoken at, and they want to know their choices. And one of the things that is a very common process in in all of the world of cosmetics men's women's everything is, is fairy dusting and with that is simply put it's what it sounds like is you know you have to disclose on your labels 
the ingredients in your products by law. You don't have to disclose the percentages. And it didn't take the big marketing companies too long to figure out that that was the best way to hoodwink people in a multi-trillion dollar over the years industry and billions and billions each year is, okay, so this is a really hot ingredient and everybody wants that ingredient and everything says this is, you know, it's, it's trending in all the magazines and the celebrities are using it. Well, we'll put that in our product too. Oh, but it costs a lot of money. It's an expensive raw ingredient. Well, then we'd have to charge too much. People might not buy it. The competitors might charge. So here's what we'll do. A little fairy dust. We'll just put a drop of it in, sprinkle, so that we can put on the label that it has that ingredient. And then when they Google it, and then when they, you know, oh, I'm using this because it has, you know, you know, we use a lot of uh, babasu oil uh, in, in various products of ours. And, and, you know, we didn't, come up with it we didn't find it there's not a video of me on expedition in the amazon where a lot of <laughs> where babasu comes from babasu oil but the reality is i believe uh and, and we found that it's a really smart ingredient for for certain products um but what's special about the way that we're using babasu oil is we use a lot of it we use a a really healthy good amount to give the end result and the benefit that we're offering and, and promising that the product has. If I put in just a fraction of the amount I actually use, it technically still has babasu oil. It's not going to have those benefits yeah. that our babasu oil product has because we're obviously using the right amount to deliver the promise. Um, and that's going to you know, help with inflammation. It's going to help make your skin softer and it's going to help all of the goals that you're buying this product for in the first place same thing with grapeseed oil yeah. um, we didn't come up with the concept but when people use our product and say oh this isn't greasy this is other products are greasy well, well it's, that's the grapeseed oil it's super light and it's yeah. hydrating it's super light and oh why don't other people use what's well, expensive and sometimes there are people that can sell their products you know cheaper because they're spending a lot less mm -hmm. on the ingredients i mean that's the truth of the matter you know and i think there's the underlying thing, I think, is when you care about what you're putting out there and it's not just like, well, sure, put uh, put the name on it, you know, slap something clever on the advertising campaign and uh, let's let's make, you know, 60 percent profit on our on our product. If you are like, I actually want this to be beneficial to the person who puts it on because I'm the person that puts it on. Like it takes on a whole like every entity, every part of that business takes on a whole new Meaning, because you're not afraid to ask somebody who knows, like, hey, like, how much of this should we be using in order for it to actually make a difference? Don't right. you know, I don't give a shit about price point or price per gallon, right. uh, but I want to know what makes this the most effective. If you're not, and you talked about surrounding yourself with smart people, that becomes a part of it too. You know, when I got into you know starting my own business, I was like, I feel like I need to be in control of every fucking thing that goes on day to day. I need to know the ingredients. I need to I need to test everything out. I'm not gonna let anybody else in my circle. And then it took me like six months to go. I'm an idiot, and I'm sorry, everybody, but I need to ask questions. But when you have that ability to to let down that you know protective piece, and let the world into it, and let the the smart people come in and say this is possible, this isn't. And the way you did it with, I think, that direct research. Here, Here's our white label product. It doesn't even have a name, no ingredient list, no clever saying, no FDA approval. Right. Try this and give me honest feedback. Right. I mean, that's nobody does. It feels like not many companies do that anymore. They're, they're really willing to slap the label on, put the fairy dust in, you know, hire a hot chick to, you know, apply it to 
said, you know, muscular actor in their, you know, in their Facebook video and then sell you a bunch of shit. No, it's funny. When, when we pick scents, uh, especially in the beginning, you know, the different scents to go through, you know, we would have 30 or 40 different, you know, sample scents from any one of our, our labs and suppliers. And they'll say the name of at least what, what the lab is calling the scent. Like it might say coconut this, or it might say, you know, cherry this, such and such, what they think the name is just for reference along with the number. And it would drive people crazy here because I'd walk around the office and go up to everyone and, and say, here, smell this. Well, what is it? You tell me. No, but what's the name of it? I'm like, I don't know. You know, and, and I would actually hold my hand over the label. I wouldn't let people hold it because I didn't want them to look and see because what we found, if they saw what the name was, it would change their entire perception once they smelled it, you know, and versus where if they smelled it without any preconceived notion, without any instruction, just what does this smell like to you? Is it good? Is it bad? What does it remind you of how it make you feel? And that that's how we went up with our entire naming scheme. And, you know, sometimes, yeah, I mean, we have a, our island rum scent um, does come from an initial scent that had coconut in the name which makes sense coconut's so distinctive right. but we have other you know we have a scent coming out um in a few weeks called vanilla bourbon and i mean myself and about eight other dudes in the office like every one of us was like oh wow vanilla and has like a it's like vanilla whiskey vanilla bourbon you know even when i went back to my lab and the manufacturer and, and they're like there is no vanilla in this like you can I'm like i don't care it's what we smell right and what i want to communicate to the person buying it the dude is you're going to smell something that smells like vanilla bourbon. Now use your imagination. I don't care if what's in it is in your mind on paper, going to make it smell like, you know, lavender. It smells like this to every single dude. So that's what we're calling it. So the customer gets what they're expecting by the name of it. And, you know, it's just been a, it's been cool because it's a grassroots thing uh, that we started out with. And, and again, most of the brands, all the brands that we've been working on for, you know, at least the last 10, 12 years, they've, they've all been, you know, 50, $100 million brands, public companies. You know, we did commercials for T-Mobile outside of skincare. We did all the big fitness brands. And in the world of skincare, it was all the celebrity brands. And some of them were doing, you know, hundreds of millions a year. So we were not, there wasn't that grassroots process. Right. You know, it was outside focus groups and all of this different, you know, and, oh, well, this MBA here said to do this, this, and it's like, I mean, maybe there's a time and place for all of that, but definitely not for Derm, dude. <laughs> that wasn't that wasn't how that was the world I had wanted to get out of, and right. Derm, dude, was the world I wanted to help create and get back into where I felt most comfortable, where I would want to buy. And that, that's the thing. I mean, I, I look at everything and say, would I want to buy this? I'm an almost fifty year old dude with a beard and tattoos, and like anyone else, you know, I get stinky at times, so I like I need to wash, <laughs> you know, <laughs> and use deodorant. Um, you know, and if, if it's not something I would use myself, um, I, I couldn't imagine selling it. It just doesn't make sense. Is this, I mean, of all the things that you've you've been able to experience and, and projects you've been able to be a part of, and is this the most, do you find this to be the most rewarding because, because of how, because of the process, because of the grassroots, because of how the, the whole concept really originated on the island? I mean, is, did you feel like, like this is, this is my jam? Uh, I do. I mean, they're, they're, you know, I'm still in the rush phase of 
you know, so many things like right now, you know, I don't know how many tens of thousands of units of inventory between, you know, ordering each day and some of it on boats, some of it having to fly in with the supply. So just, there's that logistical part of it, yeah. which, you know, you now have to be involved in all of it. Uh, I've been able to hire some other people who are, you know, very smart in those areas to help as well. But it's on me to make sure that I'm, I'm you know, part of all that and okaying all of it and playing, playing my part in that. Um, you know, only one person can drive the ship at the end of the day. Um, so if you're not, then you're going to fall asleep at the wheel. You can't blame someone else. So it, it, it is a rush. I find myself a few different times forcing myself to stop and take it in. Um, an example is, you know, I had uh, about 15 or, or 20 guys over last weekend at my house with all my son and their sons. It was a school thing, a beach day. And I realized I needed some more sunscreen. Just ran in my house and I grabbed, um, here's some go nuts if I don't find it. Well, I'll see it right afterwards, probably standing right at me. But our, oh, this one. Our, and I, and I, I literally reached in and I grabbed the, our, our sunscreen. It's been still in the pack. And I'm sitting there outside and I'm putting it, whatever. And one of the guys, oh, is that your brand? I'm like, oh, yeah, it's mine. You can, no, but this is your brand. I'm like, oh, it is. Yeah. Like, I, you know, I mean, yeah. in my mind, I, I didn't even stop and think whether it was an old can of copper tone or whatever else I had <laughs> sitting there that I'm running through because I'm still too cheap to toss it out before. But it was like, it was, it was, and, and, and I had been noticing to myself, like how much I really it went in, you know, tattoos, I take covering my skin very seriously. Yeah. So they're passing it around. Everyone's using, and I'm like, you know, so I, I just, I had a moment and I reached out to a couple of people who've been, you know, such a, a big part of this journey with the, the, the blood, sweat and tears, as they say. And I said, you know, I'm sitting out here in the sun with my kid and, wasn't even thinking about the work or anything. And I'm using our product that we developed everything about it, you know, and, and it just feels great. And yeah, so it, it, it is rewarding. Uh, and there've been some rewarding aspects in my career, but um, th this was probably the most been the most rewarding so far. And the thing I'm most excited about going forward for sure. And that's super important that, that moment of, even if it's just a moment, cause I have a feeling you operate, um, much along the same frequency ride do where those, those moments they come and then it's like well heh, on to the next thing you know all the issues that you talked about with you know shipping and, and with uh, the supply chains and things like that but it's i think it's so important to have those moments where you're like holy shit like all that went into this the the origin story that you mentioned the people that got involved with it the people that gave you honest feedback you know it you keeping on wanting it to do it your way, even though I'm sure along the way people were like, you know, you could do this a lot easier. There's a streamlined way that you could go from A to B, throw a label on it, hire a hot chick, and you're good to go. But to be able to keep it on your terms, I mean, all that appreciation that comes out in that moment where you're like, yeah, holy shit, like this, like this is, how cool is that? I mean, that those moments of appreciation are super important because I think they help propel you to keep you going, keep you motivated to keep growing and, and doing more cool things. Look, I think I think what you just said is a is a trap a lot of people fall under. Of here's how you do it because that's how they've done it, or yeah. here's how we've always done it. And yeah, you don't you you don't want to throw away the roadmap. You don't want to throw out the baby with the bathwater. There are shared learnings. There's experience and history you can draw from. In most situations, that's a smart thing to look at and consider and weigh out and use to a degree when it makes sense. And don't be afraid to throw it out when it doesn't. And by that, what I mean is. 
and I say this to people all the time, if there was a formula that all you had to do was follow and say, well, these guys did this, so do that, wouldn't everyone be retired living on an island right now? You, you know, I mean, it, you know, and, and it's not meant to be that way because passion doesn't come from a formula. You know, innovation and passion come from internal um, and from the need and the, the, the need to fill a void and the desire to fill that void uh, for whatever your purpose is. And, you know, that's, you know, what I, what I draw from. Um, so I, I get a little bent, you know, people will know sometimes if they get it too much, like, well, okay, you can do that, but these guys did this, this, then go fucking buy that. I mean, if, you know, it's been done and, and so what, so it worked for them, but there's 17 different variables that, you know, and that's not the business I'm in to go, you know, um, when TikTok was like really taking off, I remember everyone was, all you got to do is start a TikTok channel. And whenever someone has a viral video, just copy it and do the same thing. I'm like, this is ridiculous. I'm like uh, running around like a chicken trying to copy stupid things that who knows, like that's, that's not me. That's not, right. you know, what I'm going to be into or do. And I like TikTok. Um, I think that is, is a really cool channel and we'll be doing some stuff there shortly. But my point is, is that if all you had to do was imitate what other people did, then everybody would, you know, have a hundred million followers and subscribers. Everybody would have, you know, a billion dollars in the bank. So right. for me, I, I just say, okay, what's our path? And that, that's what I try to, you know, be a part of carving out and, and, you know, being with the team. Yeah. Despite all the trends, there is a certain sexiness to authenticity. And I think that maybe rings through to keep the, you know, the tribe, you know, and to the clientele that you want and market to the people that you know will appreciate the blood, sweat, tears, effort, energy that goes into putting something out. Like, being authentic about it and straightforward with it and not being like, uh, here, here is, because the cookie cutter formula is real easy to find. I'll pull up Instagram. We'll find it in three seconds. I'll just start going beard oil and boom, you'll have a, you'll have 14 different companies that use the exact same, you know, standard operating procedures to put their product out. But authenticity, real, legit, here's who Drew is, here's the product, here's how badass it is, and here's what we took to make it, like, People gravitate towards that. I think outside of the ambiance of, well, TikTok, the, you know, the trends that everybody's doing it. If you did it, it'd be super cool. Like, we'll do it, but we're going to do it on our terms the way we want to do it because you start doing it the other way and the enjoyment level starts to decrease rather rapidly. You know, it's well said, Coop. And I think there is a way to be bold, but also be humble. I know that might sound like a contradiction to a lot of people, but it's not to me. I think, you know, we are, you know, willing to get up there in someone's grill and, and make the point of, you know, what hasn't worked in the past, why this is different, why we think, uh, you know, Derm Dude is unique and different and better. But at the same point, we absolutely know we're certain that we can always improve and mm -hmm. we'll be doing that for in everything, every aspect of life, but certainly with, with our brand. And, and we really look for that feedback from people. When we ask people for reviews or feedback, I'm not asking for three words of fluff, love it, great, but I really want to hear from people, you know, what you love, what you don't love, don't make it up. If you, if you, if you don't love something, don't say that. Or if you don't, if you don't dislike something, you don't, you know, but I mean, just right. tell me for real, because that's, we want to hear from, from the consumers. I, I could hear from myself all day long. I can hear from people around me in the office all day long. I mean, you know, I can call my friends and at some point they're going to be a little bit biased, you know, even, even the ones that don't like me, uh, <laughs> you know? but yeah. there's nothing, you know, we have a, have a saying that, you know, 
whether we're right or wrong isn't up to us. America will tell us. And, and we just want to hear that, what they have to tell us. And then, you know, if they love it, we want to make it so that they love it that much more ongoing. And what else can we do that they'll love? And, and if we're doing something wrong, we want to know that so that we can fix it as quickly as possible. And then we'll say, we'll own it. If we made a mistake, we'll own it. We're not going to point the fingers. I think that's an, it's an amazing trend that's happened uh, with brands like Derm Dude and, and, and several others, a handful of others, where there is a point where you do listen to the consumer. And, and you're probably pretty good at weeding out bullshit. You've been involved in L.A. bullshit for uh, how long, the fluff and stuff. So you, you understand when somebody's just talking shit for the sake of talking shit. But when somebody gives you an honest answer or an honest review and they're like, hey, this was this, this was great, but no, this you know, was a little bit of an issue for me. And you, you can gather that data. And yeah. and actually you use what the consumer says to benefit themselves and obviously the brand where before it's instead of just waving the flag. No, here's here's the island that you come to because we have all the stuff. It doesn't really matter what you think, because here's where all the good stuff is. There is there's a, a real value in that connection with the consumer. I think social media ties that that nicely in can be used for good, can be used for evil. Yes. But to have that feedback from the consumer, honest feedback is right. you know a marketing tool that it's. People can pay for it, and sometimes you get what you pay for, but sometimes that honest feedback comes free of charge because people are willing to say, hey, you know, this this was great, but uh, this wasn't so great, and you can take that and yeah. use it to your advantage. Use the power of the force for good. <laughs> well said. Yeah, that's spot on, man. So, no, this was fun, man. I'm glad that you had me back. I think, uh, you know, as, as other stuff comes up, I hope uh, I hope we do it again because I've enjoyed it. No, man, absolutely. Uh, where, where can people find Derm Dude stuff online? I know you guys are all over the socials. We'll tag you in the podcast uh, notes and stuff, but let people know where they can find all the goodness. Oh, yeah, man. DermDude.com. You know, it's it's pretty easy to find us at this point. Uh, you know, if you scroll down the page, you'll see a, a big uh, tattooed bastard with a beard covered in a human condom. That's me. <laughs> As you scroll down, running around, walking around in a human condom with nothing else on, telling people to protect their tattoos. <laughs> Uh, so, uh, you know, our slogan is, uh, or mantra, whatever you want to call it on our website is Derm Dude, touching yourself just got better. <laughs> um, and our body wash, uh, we like to say that life is full of assholes. Don't smell like one. So, you know, again, it, we're not just trying to say things to be crass. We're, we're trying to make a point that gets people to listen, but they understand what we're saying yeah. and why. You know how to talk to your audience, Drew. And I, I appreciate the time, man. I know it's, it took us a while to connect, but we finally got back-to-back episodes knocked out. It's great hearing your stories and, and, the, uh, and the journey that you've been on and what's gotten you where you are. And, again, a dude that's uh, fully living life on his own terms and doing it the right way. I, I appreciate your time, man. I know it's money, and uh, it's, it's meant a lot to me. So thank you, sir. Thank you for having us, Coop. Awesome. Talk man. to you soon, Take brother. Take care, sir, brother. Thank you oh so very much for checking out this episode of the From the Captain's Quarters podcast. Drew Plotkin, DermDude.com is the website. Go check out their fabulous stuff. Since you're still here just hanging out and listening, whatever podcast platform you happen to be on, whether it's Apple Podcasts or it's Spotify or it's the iHeartRadio app or it's Amazon Music, wherever, please make sure you subscribe. And also, the biggest thing you can do for us is leave a five-star rating and share this podcast with everybody in know, with your family with your friends, with your neighbors, with your pets, everybody across the globe that helps us bring you even more content. Also follow us on all the socials. Just search from the captain's quarters.